I mean, you should look, you should see this thing. It is so tattered and beat up. It's like yellow because I held it with sweaty hands. <laughs> yeah. In the dead heat of August. Whenever I would walk up to the door, I'd always have it behind me because it's like this old beat up book, like so unpresentable. <laughs> 10 years ago, this is how many leads I got cons landscaping. <laughs> One lead per 25 houses. And then every three leads, you'd sign one deal, whether it be like everything from mulching to like that big patio job we did, everything. Welcome to the Landscaping Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, John Kahn's, interviewing the brightest and most successful entrepreneurs and company builders in the landscaping sphere. Today, I chat with Steven Rosenthal, sales extraordinaire and one of the most talented individuals I've ever had the privilege to work with. In this podcast, we talk lead generation, finding employees to go door to door, and how to build a lead machine like we did. I can't wait to share his energy and enthusiasm with you. Hope you enjoy. So what's your secret, man? <laughs> Wasn't that what we're talking about here today? <laughs> yes, yeah, spill the beans, man. Don't make us look for it. Yeah. Well, it was, it was interesting. Even 10 years ago, I was so methodical. I had scripts, what projects were common, like what I'd bring every day was exact same. The order of how I'd prepare for the day was the exact same. Every single time, I would go do the exact same thing and just generated predictable results <laughs> every time. It's crazy, man. Just going through this is just insane. You go... Hi, my name is Steven Rosenthal from Const Landscaping, and I was wondering if you were interested in any projects this season, be spring or summer. And then I had like main projects. And then typically, I remember if they were like slightly interested, I said, ask them if they want me to put in contact with your boss to get a quote. And typically that was like a low barrier to entry, you know, for them to, to show interest. But there were times where they, I would like, run that through that spiel and they'd be like, Oh yeah, it's like perfect timing. Come on in. Like we'll show you the blueprints for the patio out back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's crazy. So what would you do if they said, no, we're not interested. You never let one no go without trying to test it out a little bit. Sometimes they're just saying no to get you out of their hair. You could be like, so no, you're not interested. Like, do you guys typically just do all the work yourself? You guys like to kind of get outside and do work yourself on your yard? Or do you have like somebody that you usually use for like your lawn or something? Because a lot of times people would just think, oh, he's just trying to come around and cut my lawn for me. Not thinking like we could do a full, you know, backyard design for them. So that was interesting too. And then it would be like, well, I mean, some customers, you know, they don't necessarily look at doing like a full patio themselves. Is that ever on your bucket list or something that you'd want to do for 4th of July? <laughs> you know, something like that. What if they said, yeah, I do have something I was thinking about doing, but I already found somebody or I think I, I you know, we've got a couple prices on doing this. It's, well, first it's great. You know, it's like they're interested. If it's just like a homeowner. Typically price is a big thing, but if you can build some sort of rapport with them and they like you, they're going to end up spending money with the person they like. How'd you build rapport? I think on building rapport, it's important to consider where that person is in their day or how you're interrupting something that they were doing. And sometimes it could be a self-deprecating or a passive type way to do that. But say, basically, I know I'm bugging you in the middle of your day. You're probably doing something. 
or we went out one Saturday and the lady came out, you know, to the door in her like, you know, sweatsuit, obviously in the middle of a workout. And I'm like, oh, I got you. I got you away from your workout. And she's like, I know. I was like, well, at least you can take a water break. <laughs> and she was like all like panting and everything. But I think it was interesting just to kind of meet them where they're at and uh, not be afraid to kind of make fun of the situation because it's if you take it too seriously, it's an annoyance to the homeowner. So have fun. Yeah, exactly. Talk as if it's like your aunt or your uncle or like a close family friend or something. Is cold calling fun for you? It's exhilarating because every time you walk up to the door or you make a cold call, there's an opportunity for a deal, which is very motivating. So if I told you I have three hours and I really need some business, I need more leads, what would you tell me to do? And what instructions would you give me? And what results should I expect? I mean, the easiest way is to target a specific neighborhood that has related customers to what you've already seen as successful. So I also, in my notes here, had a series of flyers that we had printed up that were pictures of projects you had already done. Some of them were like, one of them in particular, I remember you did a large waterfall in Ewing, New Jersey, and it was this beautiful like 30 foot waterfall that we printed up on a flyer. Then I targeted New Hope because they're all huge houses. I went around and was handing out this flyer in kind of a low pressure manner, asking what the sort of projects they had going. And their landscaping was pristine. So they obviously don't necessarily do it themselves, don't necessarily pinch pennies. So I think uh, having that strategy. With that said, if you're looking for volume, I would go for like the mid-tier kind of cookie cutter sort of developments that maybe are like five to 10 years old because the landscaping is probably a little bit older compared to what the builder may have just started. So what are the critical factors in there? Can you give us like a bullet point? Like you had said something about the neighborhood type. You had mentioned like having a local credibility. How important is that? Especially with a cold interaction, the key components that you need to establish right off the bat are rapport, credibility, and sort of a low pressure conversation, like starting to engage in that. So I think the credibility solving for that would be to have pictures of related houses that you were working on um, and calling out the awkwardness of a cold interaction that you have no idea who this person is on that every door that you go to. I also have in here notes, every door I would take tabs or notes on how that person reacted and when they reacted the way that they did and kind of consider how I could iterate on my script or my responses to get a customer who wants a landscaping project to engage with us. You know, that's really the goal. Or, you know, get through the customers that don't quickly. People do not like to cancel appointments. It's harder to get them to schedule appointments. But if you're able to schedule the appointment, they don't want to cancel that. It's harder to do that. So psychologically, so you don't want to let somebody down, especially if you've established rapport. So if you're new to cold calling, it's incredibly nerve wracking. I would say get out there and knock on as many doors as possible and don't worry about what anybody says. Because if you knock on this guy's door, stumble over your words, like say something that does not make any sense or even like get your name wrong, like it literally does not matter when he closes the door because you have another house to go to go knock on. Have you ever said your name wrong when you're when you were Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
call Thank myself, you. hi, my name is Constantly you know. <laughs> so what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you out cold calling? I think it was probably calling on uh, dental offices. I was calling on a guy in South Jersey and had never met him before, walked into his office. It was a really, really small office. And I said something that made him feel as though his office was either disorderly or that he was not performing well as a dentist. And he's this huge Russian guy, was very, very upset and kicked me out of his office. And uh, he actually ended up becoming a customer, believe it or not. But, <laughs> but initially, he was very offended. So that was probably... That was embarrassing just because I, you know, I don't like to offend somebody and it was also uh, an awkward <laughs> situation. I think what I love about cold calling is there are a set number of inputs that I know if I go in and measure those inputs that I've succeeded and I can expect a set number of outputs. And if I'm not succeeding in those outputs, it's out of my control unless I need to iterate on the quality of my interactions. How would you go about building a strategy to get a million dollars in sales, project sales? Well, two things. One, the sales action plan is basically a quantifying what sort of inputs you need in order to achieve that million dollars in project revenue. How many intro meetings do I need? How many cold calls do I have to have? Discoveries, how many quotes, how, many, how much pipeline, and then how much of that could close based off of industry standard compared to my closing ratio. And then really it comes down to, are you willing to put in the work of the cold calls or the marketing efforts or whoever else you're uh, gaining outbound, inbound leads? So you would focus on building a quantifiable system of inputs. How many cold calls do I need and how many of my cold calls result in sales? Mm -hmm. And then how, what's my average size sale? Mm -hmm. And therefore that tells me how many cold calls I need to do to get this much in sales. So if I want 100,000 in sales, from mulching, my average mulch job is $1,000, including cleanup work, is I need 100 jobs. And if I close one out of every three leads, that means I need 300 mulching leads. Mm -hmm. And if it takes me an hour to generate a lead, that means I need to schedule in 300 hours of cold calling to get 100 uh, mulching jobs, which should generate 100,000 revenue. As an owner, you should look at how am I going to leverage my network capital to complete a task, not how, how am I going to put in the hours to complete the task. It's a wrong way to look at it. So those 300 hours, might, somebody who thinks of it as a practitioner might think, oh man, I do not have the time to go out and spend 300 hours knocking on doors. Like that's just ridiculous. Well, John found, well, I found John, but at church one Sunday and had me come on board for eight bucks an hour, paid me three bucks a lead, 20 bucks a job, really good cost to sale margins on you know some of the deals that we brought in and then had me find two of my friends. So 300 hours across three guys, even if you have them work, you know, the prime time hours from dinner time and the weekends, you know, you're looking at maybe a month. Being included as a salesperson, especially a cold calling outbound salesperson in the entire process after the sale's been completed, helped in two areas. One, I think personally, I felt motivated and excited about the end result that the client experienced, especially when John would have me come out and look at the project with the client. 
seeing the satisfaction that they had. And that right after that, if I go knock on a door, that client might experience the same exact thing. Being a part of that was great personally and motivating. It gave me something outside of the money to aspire to. How would you find people like you and how would you go about identifying them and seeing if they can do it? I believe that what John and I were able to do was bring creativity to the, to the cold calling door knocking process and then plug people that were not necessarily amazing salespeople. I mean, the two guys that I had working under me, one works for the NSA now, the other guy's an engineer out in Pittsburgh, not sales guys. But we had a system that we were able to continue to iterate on, continue to model that they were able to plug into. And then it was just about whether or not they can you know, hold a conversation, which most people can. So I learned that this process worked from a guy who hired his whole AA group. He would, every time he had a molting job, he would literally bring in like seven dudes from his AA meeting. He'd give them off flyers and they would just go out and they would. 30 dozen. (laughs) Yeah. How do you identify like the right profile of person to do something like this? The important qualities in somebody who is able to accomplish something like this, I think in cold calling and building that rapport right off the bat would be somebody that is not apprehensive to go up and talk to new people. So the fact that I approached John in the lobby of our church and asked if I could work on one of his landscaping project teams, that's what I initially asked. That was my ask. And he said, no, I have something better for you. You're going to cold call and door knock. I think you immediately identified that I'm not hesitant to approach new people and that I can hold a conversation. So I think those two things are big and they're both teachable things too, which is great. It's not necessarily just because somebody is not able to do that initially doesn't mean they can't succeed in that later. The motivation, I think, is what's hard to, to teach. Yeah. How do you motivate somebody or how do you become motivated? Maybe answer that question from two angles. How do you motivate? How do you become motivated? And then how would you budget for something like this if you were a business owner? You know, I was a high school kid at the time. Him having the humility to get to know me personally and understand what makes me tick and then structure my job around that. For instance, you know, that looked like for our situation having a clear process that was results and affirmation was driven off of how many doors I could get to and how I knocked on every door in Bucks County over two and a half years. Literally every single door. I've got maps with each side of the roads, you know, in pen. But I think having the meticulous process and being motivated by what John was building was important. So cluing even your high school student who is door knocking for you in on your plans for the business, especially if you're looking at somebody who has an entrepreneurial spirit or a sales mentality, be super, super motivating and will help them feel like they're involved in growing something, especially in door knocking. If you're seeing failures as productive, then you can be motivated by productivity. So for me, I'm, I'm super energized in the mornings. In the night, I'm not as energized. So right now, if I'm cold calling, I try and catch high-level executives before their day starts. Be okay with knocking on five doors, no one answering, and you tabulating, I did five doors in 15 minutes, and that was productive because it went against my sales action plan. So how to work those in for me, that meant 
drive to the last site that I was at, reset my tripometer, prepare my blue book, drink lots of water, gather my pens, flyers, and book, pray, and then go sell. And that's how I felt motivated. So I think understanding that for yourself, and it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, but energy and understanding, self-awareness. You were motivated, it sounds like, because you knew that every 25 houses you would get a lead. So 24 failures to you was getting a lead. Yep. So, exactly. so you were like, you were like excited. You're like, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> On to the next. I would get calls from people that didn't even want landscaping. They're like, who is this like freak of nature you have? Knocking on my door, smiling, happy, respectful, looking me in the eye. Oh, that was also a big thing. In the dead of, of summer, I would put on a polo and jeans and boots. Every, that was my uniform. Every single time I went to knock on a door, I made sure I was presentable. I think that establishes credibility. I had the Cons Landscaping logo. The biggest thing that motivated me was you offered $20 per closed job. I was only making $8 per hour. So if I'm knocking on these doors and I'm able to rack up, you know, say in one hour able or in three hour period, able to rack up three leads, you pay me two bucks per lead, you know, so that's like six bucks. So that's almost like a over a half hour of extra work. I was like, man, I just made $6 and I didn't work that half hour. That was awesome. And, but then also if I was able to get one of those leads to close, and you were to pay me $20, that's over two hours of my time that I got paid for, but it was just because the deal closed. So that was super motivating having a big upside on actual closed business. You have tons of ideas because you're just like an idea machine when it comes to generating leads. What other ideas would you go back and try today if you had the same job? Reusing your previous lists Calling those lists is really important and target, retargeting them with valuable messaging. I think that's one method. Another method is producing content at scale, personal branding and putting a face to companies' names and multiple faces to a company's name could be really, really uh, beneficial and helpful. So educating your salespeople on what wins for, their, for your customers and having those salespeople create content that they can post or send in, you know, to an email list or whatever to potential customers. So you basically go on Facebook, push out Facebook content, make YouTube videos, call old lists of customers up, ask them what their plans are for this year, even people. Would you, would you call people that maybe you had given proposals to, but they didn't accept them in the past? Oh, yeah. Well, so pulled a list of 60 stalled leads over the course of 2008 to 2018, so a 10 year period, 60 stalled leads, and put together an email nurture campaign, which is basically a series of emails that was gonna drip on this list. I had all their email addresses because they, you know, we had given them proposals in the past, and put together really valuable four or five emails and structured that to be dripped on them over the course uh, three or four months, I think it was. I closed a quarter million dollar deal off of that email nurture just because the timing was wrong before. So you close a $250,000 deal off of 60 dead leads. Yep. That was only one of the, of the I think, three that <laughs> closed off that list. But <laughs> it was the second largest deal in the company's history, that particular deal. 
what's your secret, dude? What's behind this the sales and lead generation machine that you is in your in between your ears? <laughs> I think the. I mean, I'll, first of all, I don't know if that's exactly how, how this goes. There's been definitely periods of uh, dry spells for me. I mean, there was an eight-month period for one of my sales jobs where I did not close a single deal. But the key is to not lose your enthusiasm over it. Because at the end of the day, if you're a people-oriented person and you're looking at how you can engage with customers as people and provide them betterment, empowerment in their lives or something that they're going to be, you know, aesthetically pleased by like a deck, you know, a deck you can imagine if you're able to sell someone a patio or a deck, you know, they're going to have decades of family conversations, fun, it's going to get them outside. They're going to feel like they're able to utilize their house. So if you're going into a conversation, thinking about the customer and the longevity of the value that they're going to bring, you're doing them a disservice by not calling them because they could reap so much from you calling them. Find a naive teenager who's super excited about life. <laughs> Just talk to him once a week. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the, and, and John is, is one of these people in my life, but there's been a, a number of business people who have taken the time without knowing whether or not there's upside for them in it to invest in my career. and. I think that if you're an old crotchety business guy who's got a lot of experience, having the humility to call up somebody in your church or in your community that you think has you know good drive, good energy, and encourage them in their career, I think is huge. It's awesome, dude. I'm I'm inspired. Maybe I'll go out and do some cold calling this afternoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, love it. <laughs>